Husky fans. This is Max Cerullo, and you are listening to another episode of Yes You Con, the podcast where we take shots of hot sauce because that's just what we do, baby. <laughs> uh, Tim Fontenot's here. Uh, Tim, how's it going, man? It's good to, good to have you back. Uh, it's great to be here again, Mac. Thanks for having me. And uh, especially at a time like this when all we can talk about is hot sauce. Yeah, dude, I know. Well, so yeah, I guess... Uh, I should probably come clean. So last week, uh, as you know, our listeners will probably remember, I said, "Yeah, let's uh, you know talk right after the DePaul game, and if they lose, then I'll do a shot of hot sauce." Well, little did I know that uh, the hot sauce thing has really taken off, and I also didn't realize that I had a, a work conflict at the time, so I didn't even get to watch the game, much less pot about it. So uh, UConn did win, but. I need to hold myself accountable in another way. So I will be doing my hot sauce uh, as we record. Tim, you'll have the fun of listening to me squeal. And um, yeah, well, we'll save that for the end because I, I got the stuff I got is like wild. It's like the really, the really dangerous stuff. So um, there's a good chance if I do it now, I, I won't be able to talk. So let's just start with the Yukon stuff and then we'll get to the, the, the hot sauce. So, Tim, uh, UConn's won three road games in a row and mostly without James Booknight. Um, and as a result, or you know, at least as a result of the Marquette and Butler wins, uh, UConn is ranked uh, for the first time since 2016, uh, which is pretty awesome. Uh, number 25 is like weird because like, oh, we're ranked, but like also we're almost not ranked. So what the heck? Uh, how great is it? You know, UConn's ranked again. You know, what is it? What does it just say just about kind of where this team is at this point to, to be finally back in the top 25? It's a great feeling. It's another opportunity to go back to that Dan Hurley. It's coming clip from uh, the Villanova game last year. And just think about like this team really is coming back. Um, it's been a long time since we've been able to feel like, you know, we're one of the top 25 teams in the country and, we deserve this one. I don't know if we really necessarily deserve to be ranked to start that uh, to start the season in 2016, but um, this is just another this is another milestone on the road to getting back to where UConn was, and they just keep finding ways to impress us. And it, like you said, no James Booknight these last two games, three straight games on the road, and they've found ways to win all of them. Granted, the opponent's not the best in the Big East, but this is. Some really fun time right now for UConn. Some really good results. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And what what strikes me too is that like, you know, UConn has lost some really bad road games to bad AAC teams the last couple of years. You know, DePaul. You know, for all the you know the hectoring we give them for being DePaul, they're still way better than a lot of the teams that UConn's lost to in the last couple of years on the road. And you know, just to to go to DePaul without Book Knight, you know, and also to Butler. And they really, you know, they really took it to Butler, too. Like, that was a very, very impressive win. You know, just being able to just find a way, even if it wasn't against the top teams in the conference, it really was encouraging to see. Uh, That being said, I think you don't want to go down to the wire with DePaul under really any circumstances. So hopefully Booknight should be coming back soon because it sure looks like the Huskies will need him. But, um, you know, just as, at least as far as, you know, we neither, obviously neither of us really got to, you, you were only kind of half watching Butler. I barely got to see DePaul cause, uh, cause of my, uh, work conflict, but in either case, you know, it was really, it seems like the defense is really what won them those games. Uh, so just to the best of, uh, you know, to the, to the best of your ability, I guess, you know, what did you, what did you see this weekend that, uh, you know, stood out as far as the defense goes? It's one of those great defensive UConn teams, you know, those teams that have helped a team that would otherwise look 
like a you know middle of the road Big East team and turn them into great title contenders. Uh, we've seen that before, and uh, especially against DePaul, I felt like that was an outstanding defensive performance. You know, for even when even when DePaul took the lead in the second half, um, they went up by like three, I think maybe five. Um, you always felt like the defense was going to keep UConn in that game no matter what, and you just had to get a few shots to fall. And that's the thing. Like, a lot of times I feel like offensively, you know, they're starting to get a lot better, but the shots just aren't falling. But then they'll come back and whoever, you know, a lot of times it's the guy who made the mistake at the other end will come down and he'll make a big play. I think about RJ Cole doing that a lot. Um, you know, he's diving all over the floor, especially against DePaul. But, man, having... Having Isaiah Whaley and Adama Sanogo and Tyrese Martin all down low together, um, that's that's produced a lot of fun moments. You know, I think about early in the early in the DePaul game, there was a moment where Sanogo completely wrecked wrecked the basketball when he went to block it. Um, the poor DePaul soul that tried to get over him, and Tyrese Martin was right there to clean it up, get the rebound, and go the other way. And there they are getting into transition. And the transition game, I think, we're starting to see a lot more of as this season develops. Um, I think about a couple of plays that Jalen Gaffney made on Monday night where he you know, he was able to make a great turnover, and all of a sudden he's going down the other way. He's either getting the bucket or going to the line because he's finally driving to the hoop. So overall, just between you know, them being a really solid rebounding team, even on the defensive end, they're going to, they're going to keep blocking shots because they're just some big beast down low, even if they don't necessarily have the height and they're starting to make some great defensive plays in the backcourt that are leading to transition. It's really promising. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one thing that struck me when I, I watched the highlights from the DePaul game last night and uh, the other night rather, and the um, just the defense was struck, stuck out to me as far as like the blocked shots and the turnovers. They, they forced a ton of turnovers. I, I actually yeah. t- 24, they forced 24 turnovers for DePaul and looks like they also, okay. They only blocked two shots, but it seemed like they, uh, Oh, actually, sorry. That's a uh, DePaul block two shots. Uh, UConn. Yeah. UConn block six shots. So that, that felt that's, that's a little bit more like it. Yeah. Just, um, it, it was just something, it was just something very encouraging for sure. I think, um, Tyrese Martin, I believe, uh, at 18 points against DePaul too, and you know, it was another kind of one of those games where like he, he didn't actually have as many rebounds as he has had recently, but this time it's like the dude's coming through with like another way to just give the team exactly what they need. I really don't know where UConn would be without him. Like, I honestly, they could have, they may have like lost two, three, or four more games without him. Do you, um, what were what were your thoughts on on him since you saw a little bit more of him on Monday night? You know, I've used this phrase probably five times in the last couple podcasts I've been on, but I love Tyrese Martin. Um, for, he's just, especially over the last couple games, he's become such an important player on this team. And with Book Night Out, he's really taken up that catalyst role and done some great things on both ends of the floor. And but, but you know, for like he was he was fantastic, even if he didn't get the rebounds. Um, Wish he would have made more than half his foul shots, but that team had a really tough time hitting their free throws against DePaul. Um, it's amazing, though. You know, we've talked about uh, we've talked about with Book Night where he's had a big performance offensively, and yet you still feel like there's more you could have gotten out of him. I was really surprised after the game when I realized that Tyrese Martin had 18 points because he missed some bunnies like right at the rim, and it was he didn't. It's not like he did anything wrong. It's just the ball fell off the rim. 
and it was like the rim just completely hated him. He missed he missed five of his attempts from inside the three point line, and it felt like they were all right there at the hoop. And if you know if four of those fall, we're talking about a game that UConn ends up winning by like 16, 17 points, and it just happens that way sometimes. So if those are falling for him, then you know he's easily easily one of that second score that we were looking for. Yeah, definitely. And I think, yeah, it's like you said, you know, if Martin hits a few more of those shots, UConn only went 13 for 24 from the line. So that's obviously really bad too. You figure you hit even half of the ones you missed. Then now all of a sudden, instead of a seven point win, now you're looking at a 14 point win. And, uh, you know, I don't think anybody would be complaining about that, especially <laughs> without book night or anything like that. Um, you know, and yeah, just, I think what I keep kind of come back to is like when I was, you know, following along on Twitter for throughout the game and everybody was kind of alternating between being like, you know, wow, we feel like we should be really discouraged by this, but also, you know, they're, they're with, they're like, they still found a way to pull it off. So in the, in the end, do you think, should we be encouraged or concerned by Monday's performance against DePaul? I think encouraged for a really simple reason. You're playing on the road against a tough conference opponent without your best player. And this is, you know, there's some experience in there, but this is still a team that's coming together. And to not have your key star in there, a guy who's talked about as a lottery pick this coming year, that's a that's tough no matter what, no matter who you're playing. Even if you went to Butler a couple days before and got it done, even if you were able to come back against Marquette without him, it is still hard. So... I think I'm tempering, you know, I'm tempering my reactions after these games because of the fact that they haven't had James Booknight, and we're seeing guys, you know, Tyler Polly didn't have his greatest game against DePaul. He still finished with 12 points, but it's not like it wasn't like against the Marquette in the Marquette comeback when he made all those three pointers, and it wasn't like Butler where it was pretty much the same thing. But he was still producing, and guys were still stepping up to get the win. And again, you know, not having your best player out there, the guys just come together as a team and get the job done. It's one of those things where you're playing your third game in a week. You're playing your third game on the road in a week and you don't have book night out there. You just, you go out there, you get the job done. It's not always pretty, but you just go home with the win. And now you have a week to get ready for your next game and hopefully to get book night back. Yeah, that's big too, you know, because otherwise uh, Villanova was supposed to be next on the schedule. Uh, they were originally scheduled to play them on Friday. And, um, you know, they, there's no way they beat Villanova without Book Night. That's just, there's, if, if they, look, if they beat, if they went, if they took on Villanova and they beat him without James Book Knight, then we have to reconsider all of our expectations and just be like, oh, wow, we're like, we're going to the final four. <laughs> like, <laughs> So, yeah, you need Book Night back for that. Uh, so St. John's, we're finally going to get to see St. John's on uh, next Monday by the looks of it. So, you know, St. John's by all accounts is another one of these teams that I think UConn should be able to beat even without Book Night. And they play, they, they play them at home. That's going to be a gamble. That yeah, Next week is going to be really big because, you know, St. John's, you know, that's kind of another one of these games you really need to win. And then after that, next you have Xavier who I think you would agree is certainly one of the more interesting teams where I don't really know quite where they fit into the pecking order. I'm not sure whether they're like second or third or if they're more like fourth or fifth or sixth, <laughs> but they're a wild card. And, yeah, you know, they're in, I do not know what UConn's going to, I don't know how that's going to go. So 
you know, we got Xavier and then obviously Creighton on the road, and that'll be a really tough one. So, you know, UConn's got a big week coming up. So, uh, yeah. let's hope that we have book if UConn if uh, UConn does get book night back. Do we have? Do you have a feeling for how things could and should play out at that point? I think if book night comes back and you get him, you know, even if he's not back for St. John's, hopefully by the Xavier game. I think if you get him back by the Xavier game, you're looking at winning two of those three games that you mentioned, and you know they'll give Creighton a go. I think that he would. I think he'd get them over the top against Xavier for sure. Um, and St. John's, you should win even without him. But we'll see what happens. Uh, that Creighton game, if he's healthy, and you know a cook a cook, he's getting more minutes now. Um, Tyler Polly starting to hit his shots. Tyrese Martin's coming into his own. I feel like it's already a much different team than we saw against Creighton on December twentieth. So. I think that they could give them a real go. I'm not saying they'll win, but I'm saying that I wouldn't be surprised if they do. You know what? I'm just glad you, I'm glad you just brought up a cook. We haven't talked about him yet. He's back. <laughs> he's, yes. He's finally back. <laughs> Obviously still uh, not, you know, playing limited minutes hasn't done a whole lot yet, but like, you know, that's a really serious injury he had last year. I mean, I don't I mean kind of just trying to think like, you know, it's just really good to see him back, frankly, I guess. So, you know, it's going to, it's definitely going to be a while before he's really himself, but I do feel like now we sort of see kind of what this front court's potential is, at least as far as how, you know, Whaley and a cook, that's like, they, it feels like they're like one position in the front court and Carlton and Sonogo are another, you know, whereas, you know, Whaley and cook are a lot more mobile, you know, they're a little bit you know, better shooters. Whereas, you know, Sonogo and Carlton are who you put in there when you just want to just, just push people to the ground and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, having a cook back, even in his more limited role now, I feel like will put a lot of, take a lot of pressure off of Whaley. Uh, Cause you know, he's has, he's been better at staying out of foul trouble lately, but it's still a, it's not what you want if he has to come out for an extended period of time. So, you know, um, what, what would you say, I guess, as far as a cook goes, what, what did you see from him as far as, you know, what you think he can and should be doing soon now that he is back on the court, I guess, to put it another way, what are realistic expectations for him? Yeah. Our realistic expectations are it's going to take time. Um, it's been nine minutes so far, but thankfully he's been able to play those nine minutes. Um, he came in against Butler, and right away he gets uh, he gets to throw down a dunk, and that was it. Was just really nice to see that because it was like the the reintroduction of a cook a cook. Um, but he hasn't really had much to say since then. Um, obviously, not a lot of stats to really look at, not a lot of game action to look at. So they're just starting to ease him in. Um, it would have been nice if he could have gotten more minutes against DePaul, but it really wasn't a situation to get him in there just for the sake of getting him minutes. Um, so, you know, again, he's got a week of practice here where he's going to get more involved and hopefully against St. John's, you get an opportunity to get him, you know, I'd love to see him get more than 10 minutes against St. John's and see if he can really start to make an impact that we know that he's capable of making. But like you said, it, it really takes a lot of pressure off Whaley. If Whaley gets into foul trouble like he did against Butler, he ended up fouling out of the game. Uh, but he still put in 33 great minutes. I'll, uh, I'll make note of that. So having, it, again, we've talked about the depth of the front court and it being a very good problem to have. Um, unfortunately, we've seen Javante Brown is now transferring, which, you know, it's awful but not really much of a surprise because there's just so much there's so many guys for so few minutes in the front court, but to have 
a Cook now added to Whaley, Sonogo, and Carlton, who have all shown what they're capable of over the course of the season. It's it's really good. And, you know, throw Polly in there, too, for size purposes, but, you know, obviously not one of our more important defensive bigs. So, uh, overall, though, just great to have him back on the floor. Yeah, I would, I'd probably characterize Polly as a tall wing, really. Uh, yeah, just exactly. kind of a different position. I'm glad you brought up Javante Brown. That is another thing, like, man, like, that news broke, like, not too long after we posted last week's episode. And it feels like that was a lifetime ago. Um, But yeah, so Javante Brown has entered the transfer portal and will be leaving the program. And, you know, I I think I saw a report by Dave Borges who said that it basically came down to um, uh, Kenya Hunter, I believe was the one who recruited him. And so when he left, it was just kind of really tough. So, you know, Honestly, like a totally understandable reason, you know, you, you, you commit to a school kind of with certain expectations as kind of who's going to be coaching you. And, you know, obviously Hurley was still there, but like, you know, it's, it's, I'm never going to be one of those guys who just like harps on teenagers for making a decision that works best for them, you know, you know, so hopefully it works out for the best, but it does stink though, because I mean, those like few minutes we've seen him, he so passes the eye test and it's just hard not to think like, geez, this kid could be really fun in a couple of years, but you know, it is what it is. Wherever he ends up, he's going to have a fan base of hot sauce chugging hooligans who are going to be rooting for him. So that's, uh, he's going to do really well wherever he ends up. Yeah, no, absolutely. (laughs) Hot sauce chugging hooligans. Oh God. We're, we're almost there, aren't we? It's a, we're, oh, man, it's almost that time. Start getting yourself ready. I'm already sweating. Oh, geez. All right, well, just before we dive in, before we get to that whole business, um, let's just talk about one more recruiting thing. So, if, you know, seeing as that UConn obviously has an opening on the roster, this isn't necessarily germane to that specifically, but we do know that one of UConn's top recruits for the class of 2022, uh, Corey Floyd Jr., is now uh, scheduled to announce his commitment on the 14th uh, Thursday. So when you guys all hear that, uh, hear this, it'll be tomorrow. And as of now, UConn is one of his top seven. Uh, Floyd is, uh, so he told uh, Adam Zagoria um, from Zag's blog, uh, a guest of this show uh, not too long ago. He says of UConn, they're recruiting me the hardest right now. They want me to come in and be an impact, an instant impact on both the offensive and defensive end. Coaching staff is great. Uh, So, you know, pretty good, obviously. Uh, You know, he is a, um, a six foot five guard uh, from Roselle Catholic in New Jersey, uh, just by all accounts, exactly the kind of guy that UConn wants for on their roster. Uh, he's also being recruited by Rutgers, Providence, uh, Miami, Wake Forest, Florida, and Auburn, and uh, Villanova as well, actually, by the looks of it. So, um, yeah, being able to get him would be pretty sweet. Uh, I don't know if you know too much about this kid, but do you have any thoughts on Floyd and kind of you know what it would mean to UConn if they can uh, land this commitment? Well, he's definitely a hot commodity, so for us to be able to get him, especially against, you know, all of a sudden Rutgers is a player now that they're a top 25 team in the Big Ten and, you know, a couple of Big East rivals, that'll be huge. And, you know, it's just a testament to the job that Hurley's, Hurley and his staff have done on the recruiting trail and a great class coming in next year. And, you know, I, I haven't watched this kid play, uh, admittedly, but I've heard a lot of great things from our, you know, our reliable UConn Twitter people who are on top of all this stuff and you know it's look just looking quickly at his profile like you mentioned he's a he's a big guard from new jersey 
and all I can think of is, well, that really fits the UConn Big East DNA that we remember. Um, that New York, New Jersey area has been very kind to UConn in the past. So, you know, hopefully he's the next in a long line. And if book night goes, we're going to need some more guard depth. We're going to need guys who can come in and make an instant impact. And if Hurley thinks that he can do that, then that's awesome. Obviously for the class of 2022, so we're going to need some help next year. But um, there's guys who are capable of doing that right now. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, clearly, you know, UConn's incoming recruiting class is really good. So there's a lot of room for uh, optimism. But even still, you, you definitely want to make sure you can get the, the best guys you possibly can. So and obviously, if you know you can steal a guy who Villanova and Providence wants, then that's obviously good, too. So, um, yeah, I guess we should do the hot sauce thing now, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, as you're prepping yourself, can we uh, can we give a special shout out as you're as you're getting ready for this? Well, actually, yeah. While we're while I'm kind of setting up my stuff here, maybe uh, why not just because people who listen to this potentially, you know, down the road may be confused as to what exactly this is even all about. So, could you explain to the people exactly what this hot sauce business even is uh, all about and where it came from? Happily. So uh, the origin of it is, of course, as many of you know, um, last week when UConn went to go play at Marquette, everything was really doom and gloom for a while there. It was, as I said on this pod last week, probably one of the worst 25-minute stretches of basketball I've seen from UConn ever. Uh, James Booknight got hurt, and with 17 minutes to go, UConn was down 18. And that's when our friend Penfield came in on Twitter and said that if UConn came back to win that game, then he would eat a spoonful of hot sauce, just straight hot sauce. And sure enough, Huskies come back, win by 11, and he held himself accountable. And UConn Twitter, led by Mr. Hotballs, held him accountable. And he did it. And it just, it's funny because that happened, and we were all like, oh, that's really funny. Like, this is great. And then it just took on a life of its own. You know, it's two days later, and we're playing Butler later in the day, and all of a sudden, everyone's, you know, starting the morning off, like, posting videos of themselves drinking hot sauce, and then they win the game, and after the game, you're seeing more videos, and people holding themselves accountable for negative tweets during the game, and it's like, what is happening right now? Like, is this really, or is UConn now the hot sauce fan base? Are we doing this? And then DePaul comes around, same thing. So, yes, we're doing this, and of course, Penfield came in before the DePaul game and posted a video of him putting hot sauce on a banana. And it was this whole big production, and it was amazing. And it was just, you know, it was wonderful to watch. And so here we are, and UConn's hot sauce trend is officially part of the UConn fan culture on social media, I'd say. And Tuesday morning before, uh, we're obviously, we were recording this Tuesday night, and on that morning... Husky Ticket Project comes in and turns this into an even bigger thing. This is an amazing thing. For those of you who don't know, Husky Ticket Project is a nonprofit where 100% of the proceeds go toward purchasing group tickets for Connecticut youth groups to get kids to games for uh, for UConn basketball. And um, I believe they do other UConn sports as well. And it's just such an amazing project. And they challenge people to, whenever they do this hot sauce trend, to donate $5 to the Husky Ticket Project. Um, I know you and I were really excited about this, Mac, and we thought it was great. I sent some money this morning. I wasn't expecting people to just all of a sudden, like, I don't know if they even saw it coming, but early in the when they tweeted that early in the day, 
all of a sudden the donations just came flooding in, sometimes with hot sauce videos, sometimes not just people donating to this great cause and then setting challenges for themselves down the road. Uh, Penfield, I know, has said that when they get to certain price points or certain donation levels, he will eat different kinds of hot sauce and get like spicier and spicier each time. Um, I've since said that there's um, there's a former UConn soccer player, Kyle Laren, who's uh, reportedly could make a move to France from his team in Turkey. And I said if he did that, then I would donate another $25 because he scored 23 goals over two years. And I don't like hot sauce, so I offered to chuck some fireball. But we'll <laughs> talk about that when we get there. But when we started recording tonight, they were at about $4,700 in donations just today, it's which I think is just such a testament. So it was, yeah, it was like, it, was, it wasn't even 100 people total, and they were able to reach that level. And just such a testament to how amazing this fan base is. You know, we've had so much fun with this ridiculous, like, like what, like what is happening? Like people have no, like when we all of a sudden everyone's talking about hot sauce and that people outside of UConn fandom are like, what are you guys doing? And we explain it. They're like, that's awesome. And now we're turning it into this great cause too. So I just think that this is such a cool thing that, that all of a sudden has become, like I said, part of like our fan culture. And I hope it sticks around for a while. Yeah. I, I, I it's just the craziest thing in the best possible way. Like, we, uh, you know, literally we were like kind of like joking about it last week just because I think we saw Penfield's thing and I was just like, oh, yeah, I'll just I'll do a shot, shot of hot sauce if we lose if they lose to DePaul. And little do we know here now I have to hold myself hashtag accountable. And um, but it's it's great. I donated twenty five dollars to the Husky ticket fund myself earlier. I'll probably do more at some point down the road. When I have a little extra spare cash, uh, I went ahead and spent all my Christmas money <laughs> already. So <laughs> it is what it is. But um, uh. yeah, so I, I do just want to give out one other quick shout out to, um, you know, everybody has been kind of chugging their hot sauce brand of choice. And, you know, last night while I was thinking about, OK, well, I, if I'm going to do this, I should probably um, it just I got nostalgic because it reminded me of when I was at UConn. I remember that there was a farmer's market that I went to one time. Um, actually my roommate went to it first and I kind of followed up on it myself. And, uh, this local guy from like the Willimantic area basically makes all of his own like hot sauces. Um, the, the guy is his main offerings called dragon's blood elixir, which is what got my attention in the first place. Uh, great name, great marketing. So I picked it up and it was, it was legitimately amazing. <clears throat> you know, basically I would get it all the time after that up until I graduated, but you know, I, I don't live. In, I live in the Boston area now, so it's not like I can just go casually to like the Mansfield Farmers Market or something. You know, yeah. So it was uh, just got a little nostalgic. So I last night I went online and was like, oh wow, they're not only are they still in business, but they're they have a website. So I ordered myself uh, some Dragon's Blood Elixir. I ordered myself some Jalokia sauce, which was uh, always my jam, and I also got some garlic paprikash, uh, something a little bit milder, which I think will go good on like pizza and stuff uh, and whatever. Uh, unfortunately, those have not arrived yet, and so I discovered that the only hot sauce that was in my house <laughs> is the really, really gnarly stuff. So let me tell you what I got. So I am holding in my hands uh, a bottle of Dave's Total Insanity Hot Sauce, showing it for the camera right here. And uh, this stuff says, quote, insane heat with a garlicky flavor. 
And uh, I, if I read this directions, it says, uh, warning, use this product one drop at a time. Keep away oh, from no. eyes, pets, and children. Not for people with heart and respiratory problems. Shake well and refrigerate after opening. Oh, boy, Mac. <sighs> yeah. So needless to say, this is the sort of thing that you uh, you need to sign a waiver to, to have. So, um, yeah, I guess uh, I may as well just go for it. So I'm not going to do a whole shot of it because then I'd probably die. But uh, got a little <laughs> teaspoon here. Going to try to not spill this on my laptop here. So bear with me a moment. You got this. Oh, do I, though? I don't know if I do. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh, I'm so scared right now. Okay, that's... Okay, it's not quite a full... All right, look, it's not quite a full teaspoon, but, like, you guys just heard what I just said, so... Oh, I'm, my heart is pounding right now. <laughs> all right, Tim, count me count, count me down. Oh, well, you want me to give you a ten? No, 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 just, just a quick one, two, three. All right, three, two, one. Oh wow, you know it's re- it, it tastes really good, but the oh oh boy. <laughs> oh well, hey, I applaud you. Gotta get the milk. Oh boy. Ah. Uh, oh man, you know it, it's not so bad at first, but oh my god, I'm oh, hip. Man. I'm I'm hiccuping, dude. Oh jeez. Oh, I'm proud of you. Oh my god. Yeah, dude, it's just like it it just the burning doesn't stop. Oh gosh. It's going all the way down. Oh man. Wow. Um all right, well, hashtag accountability. And uh yeah, so I'm gonna stop this camera recording here. Holy crap. So yeah, so all of you guys listening can also see on Twitter if like just listening to me suffer is not good enough, you can also uh check out my Twitter um, and uh, I'll have a little video of that whole thing. Uh, excuse me as I pound some more milk. Um, oh my gosh. Dude, it's it's hard. Dude, it's like really hardcore. Like that stuff is gnarly. Yeah, that's intense. I'm really well, glad I, I'm really glad I only did like a half a teaspoon. Yeah, good call there. Wow. Okay. Um <laughs> So, uh, Tim, any last thoughts, I guess, before we wrap this one up? Uh, no, I'm, I'm just really proud of you, and I'm proud of UConn for going 3-0 on the road, mostly without book night. So, see you guys next week. Yeah, wow. All right, well, I'm going to try to do the uh, outro real quick. Um, thank you guys all for listening. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Max Cerullo, M-A-C-C-E-R. U-L-L-O. My DMs are open and uh, leave me a good review. Uh, please, I, I just did some m- wild hot sauce for you, so I hope you all appreciate that. Shout out to Hot Balls. Uh, you're, the, you're the best. Shout out to the Husky Ticket Project, Dragon's Blood Elixir, and all you maniacs out there in Yukon Twitter. You guys are the best. And uh, yeah, uh, we're going to leave it there because I need to go find a loaf of bread or something. So um, yeah, you guys all have a good one. I'll catch you later.